Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grow With Us. My name is Evan Barton, and I'm your host who helps create conversations with the innovators and leaders of a growing tech center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The Grow With Us podcast highlights in Tulsa Talent's work of bridging Tulsa talent with tech opportunities and the revolutionary work around the city. In Tulsa's mission is to connect talented individuals and companies to stimulate economic growth in Tulsa and to create more prosperous communities across the region. Each episode, Grow With Us discusses the growth of opportunities, the growth of communities striving for change, or the tech and innovation that is changing the landscape of Tulsa. On this episode of Grow With Us, we are in conversation with Tyrants Billingsley, the executive director and founder of Black Tech Street. Tyrants, it's super great to have you on. Welcome to Grow With Us. Happy to be here. Uh, this is a this is a long time coming. You've actually been on the guest list probably since I started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Tulsa's wild, so it takes takes time to align schedules, even though we see each other every day. <laughs> I know. Yeah, one of the main reasons why is that I have heard about Black Tech Street ever since I moved back. So this mm. is this is this is good. We're gonna we're gonna get to chat. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm excited. Tyrants, go ahead and jump in um, and tell us your story in kind of whatever way you feel comfortable. My story, okay. Tyrants Billingsley, born and raised Tolson. Um, I've always had a passion for this city, uh, partially because, you know, I'm a, you know, relative of race massacre survivors, something I didn't learn until um the year twenty twenty actually, but I'd always grown up with that the some of the history and, and understanding of what was in Tulsa once upon a time. So me, my story, um so I've always kinda had two key drives in me. I've always kind of had my hands around and that's, you know, entrepreneurship um, slash innovation and any other is kind of politics. And the reason for that has always been that um, I've always felt that I've always been a kind of person that says I need to be where the pulse is. You know, where's the where's the influence that's going to allow me to make this world a better place for the people who live there? Politics and entrepreneurship were the two areas I identified because one of them is creating policy for people's lives. The other is creating the new things to change the way we live. So nothing, nothing good, nothing outside of those two. So initially I thought I was going to go the political route first. So, um, and, and I can attest to that. I graduated from, you know, Booker T Washington high school class of 2014, greatest class in the history of the school. I'll, I'll um, give you that. Y'all are pretty good. <laughs> fact. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, when I would, but it was actually the start of my senior year when I had a chance to work on Mayor Kathy Taylor's uh, um, re-election campaign, and um, you know we ended up losing. But when I got on that campaign, that's when I really got to see that. That's that was the first time I really said, you know, Tulsa's best days are not behind it. You know, Tulsa's best days are coming, and that was because I got to see all the new development and all some of the new things that were coming to Tulsa. So I said, you know what? Maybe leaving Tulsa is not the best thing for me right now. Maybe I need to stay here, get my feet in the soil more so, and position myself in a way that I can be a positive force on this wave of development that's coming. That in combination with the fact that upon graduating high school, I did not, I was not where I needed to be maturity-wise to go off to a four-year university, in my opinion. So me knowing those two things led to me staying in Tulsa. I went to Tulsa Community College where I kind of found my stride um, initially pursuing a political route, you know, I was, where I was president of student government. Then from there, I served as president of student government for the state of Oklahoma, got elected to the Oklahoma Student Government Association, sorry. Um, um, from there, I chaired the advisory board for the Oklahoma State Regents for Higher Education, helping um, advise them on education policy to make for students. And 
from there, um, that led me to a uh, internship um, at with uh, Mayor G.T. Bynum working in his office, uh, working on economic development and civic engagement. Um, and while I was there, you know, I was kind of in the community and I was simultaneously kind of apprenticing under State Senator Kevin Matthews and State Representative Virginia Goodwin. So at some point, really it was 2016, late 2016, um, you know, I as I was pursuing a political route, I continued to study entrepreneurship, continued to study um, innovation. So while I was in politics, I was reading books on entrepreneurship and innovation and something clicked in me one day and I said, you know what, politics is important, but the things that change this world are not going to be policies made by politicians. They're going to be they're going to be insane innovations created by entrepreneurs and people wanting to make the world better. So I said, if I was to die tomorrow out of politics and entrepreneurship, which one would I be okay saying I at least did one of them? And I said, you know what? Entrepreneurship was more important. So I looked to combine my two passions and I founded a civic tech startup called City Forum, which was built to be a one-stop shop for administering city services to citizens. I was, want to say, 20 going on 21 when I founded the company. Um, I had a co-founder um, in his 40s with a full-time family. Um, a lot that I didn't know. So, I mean, you can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> didn't ultimately end up panning out. That's a venture, though. That's, <laughs> it, that's it was awesome. a venture, but, I mean, it got me a lot of experience. It didn't end up panning out, but, you know, it got me experience, intro into the startup world, um, and it ended up getting me an entrepreneurial fellowship with the George Kaiser Family Foundation where I got strapped to a comet by the name of Mike Bosch. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I was taken on a ride with him um, right before he was he launched a Tinto. And um, so, yeah, I got hands-on knowledge of, you know, uh, the VC world, uh, entrepreneurial ecosystems, what makes them scale, what makes them fail, things like that. So that kind of led me to where I'm get where I'm getting at now. So after I had this experience and I really thought about what I wanted to have have happen in Tulsa, I kind of began to ask myself the question, you know, what could Black Wall Street have been had it been supported and not destroyed? You know, and when I looked at the level of tenacity that it took for these entrepreneurs to build these incredible businesses during Jim Crow, the smashing through walls, the out of the box thinking, a lot of that reminded me of the tech industry. And that kind of led me to this three pronged epiphany. You know, one, tech is the one of the only industries you can build intergenerational wealth in seven to 10 years and be a successful exit, whether it be to the high company multiple or some of the lucrative opportunities that come through 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 the workforce. Uh, two, tech is the core medium through which global innovation and the creation of new wealth generating markets takes place consistently. And, you know, by the year 2030, there are projected to be as many as 4.3 million vacant high paying tech jobs due to a tech talent shortage. So when I thought about all three of these things, I not only saw an incredible wealth building opportunity for black people through the tech industry, I, I kind of saw this, the Black Wall Street vision pushed to a new horizon. So that led me to surmise, had Black Wall Street been supported and not destroyed, it would be nothing other than a premier black tech ecosystem. So that's where the name Black Tech Street came from. And that's what the mission of our org is. We're working to rebirth Black Wall Street as a black tech ecosystem, but also catalyze this movement that kind of sees black people embrace tech in the tech industry as a means to build wealth and impact the world. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Wow. <laughs> that's the first time I've heard you say that. Um, <laughs> kind of in that, with that, I guess the whole, that was the bookended way of, of doing it and getting all the way through. I love it. So <laughs> I want to, I want to touch on some stuff there that I think is really, really awesome. Uh, you've got lots of experience with 
big name people here in, in town, which is so <laughs> freaking cool. Like <laughs> Kathy Taylor, Ke- uh, Senator Kevin Matthews. I bet those experiences with those people that have really made their whole careers about changing Tulsa and kind of changing Oklahoma for um, underserved communities. Like that's that's awesome. I, I I hope those experiences were super meaningful for you. They were very meaningful. And um, learning at the feet of people is really interesting because you um, – Everybody's different. Yeah. And when you're with a leader, a lot of times you learn how to relate to them. You learn, you know, what should I emulate of this person? What of this person is 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 really something that may be a flaw? Yeah. Or what if what if it is a different style? So being with those, I would say Kathy, uh uh Kevin, uh Representative Goodwin, uh Mike Bosch, um also, uh being in proximity to them really helped me think about a lot about how I wanted to operate even independently of the specific discipline that I was yeah. studying under them. With. Yeah, because I, I mean, I have to imagine that, I mean, just knowing those four people and really their reputations and legacies, those are really four key different areas. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, each each one has a kind of a civic charge that they feel like they embody in their work. And so um, that feels like such a, that feels like such a cool way to craft your own lane too, so. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was an interesting, exper- interesting experiences, all of them. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, I, I mean, I feel like this is kind of tied into the answer to this question, but like how has your relationship with Tulsa kind of changed over the years? I, th- I think two things that I can already already kind of see coming up for you is that um, your, realiza- your realization of kind of this ancestral uh, connection to the Black Wall Street Massacre and then also, you know, you living here and being a part of it yourself is also, those are also things that are part of your life. So kind of before I answer the question for you, <laughs> how is your relationship with Tulsa been? Hmm. If I was to sum up, sum them up in like movie titles, the original relationship would be Get Out. Mm-hmm. But, but <laughs> That's a good way to <laughs> would do be, it. Would be Get Out initially, you know, when I was a, a teenager, didn't really know much about the city. My initial relationship would be Get Out, mm-hmm. you know, um, it kind of evolved more so to use another Jordan Peele. Kind of evolved more so into Nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't know about this, y'all. That, but <laughs> it went into Nope. However, when I really got to dig in and got to understand my connection and all of that, you know, and and what the future held, you know, to use another Jordan Peele one, it became us. For us, I it was became say, it, come it on. became us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, perfect. So get out, Nope, us. But but yeah. you know, so. Now we're at the us part where yeah. it's like, you know, what are we, how are we making this place the place we want it to be? You know, how are we honoring our ancestors? How are we making this place a outlet for creativity and innovation? Yeah. And there's been so many key players in that recently, that, like emerging key players too. I mean, I I can, I'll name a few just because I think they're worth naming, like uh, Building Tulsa, the Techstars Accelerator that's come to town, um, Act House Tulsa, like all of these just different ways of creating new pathways for underrepresented founders in the tech space and um, specifically targeting the black community in Tulsa, a community that like has deserved this kind of reconciliation. And I, I think it's it's interesting. A lot of people will tell you the type of reconciliation that it that <laughs> this community deserves, but it's like, I don't know if that can be narrowly defined. And I don't know. It's interesting to kind of think about how 
I don't know. I don't know if interesting is the right word, but it's it's really it is interesting to see how the opinions have evolved over the years, how it's come into a 21st century understanding. I mean, my going back to Booker T, Booker T is the first place that I learned about the Black Wall Street massacre. And right. that feels like and and that that fact alone is being contested in our Oklahoma like court system of like whether or not I should have learned it at that time, which is kind of crazy to think about, but um I don't know. I, I think it's this the whole conversation about the the racial legacy of Tulsa and history is like it's so interconnected to what's going on. It's living and breathing is really how I feel about it. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that the last what has it been two years really have been an incredible breath of f- fresh air in terms of the work that you see happening on the scene. Um, Act House, Lightship, Tech Stars, Building Tulsa, uh, Urban Coders Guild. Yeah. Urban Coders Guild been around for a while doing the work. The original, mm-hmm. Michael, you're old. But I appreciate <laughs> you though. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that what you're seeing here is a reawakening to the potential of Tulsa in a lot of ways. So, I mean, as all of these orgs figure out how to collaborate and work together, I think you know moving towards shared and collective vision is key. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, uh, let's kind of touch a little bit more on an experience that I, I kind of know about you. And I think that is really interesting. We kind of shared this background together, but, uh, you've had a stint and time at city year. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of tell me about what that experience has been like for you and also how you kind of continue to do that work. Yeah. So I probably served at Rogers, um, high school, Rogers junior high from the 2018 to 2019 year. So being in city year, you know, uh, funny enough, uh, city year was something that I really decided to do in between really setting up Black Tech Street. You know, I kind of knew where I wanted to go, but I wasn't quite at the place yet. So I needed a, I needed something that I thought would just be a placeholder. But when I jumped into it, you know, it, it became so much more than that. Yeah. Um, I'd always thought of myself as the person who a thousand percent had to have his finger on the pulse, had to be in certain areas. And I I do believe that that's true in terms of my purpose. However, I used to think of it in a way that was like, you know, I'm going to wither away if I do anything but this. And Mm. to some degree, I feel that's true. But being in city year helped me see that it wasn't, you know, just in a classroom, just humbly working with kids. I felt like I would have been busting at the seams to get out, do something bigger. But I wasn't. When I was there, I was actually happy. Not not saying that I didn't still have ambitions to do other things and impact the world in a more uh, a bigger a bigger way, but the impact of being face to face with those kids, it was important in a way that really rivals rivals what what I felt I needed to do, and it was and, and I was happy there, which I didn't I didn't expect I did not expect to be happy just in a classroom, but I was I was actually happier than I had been in a while at that yeah. time. So, yeah, that's so cool. I mean, I I think that, you know, your kind of purpose that you've laid out for us as like wanting to have your finger on the pulse, like what an interesting way to have your finger on the pulse with is with kids. I mean, and especially kids in I I mean, the really one of the missions of City Year is to place uh, AmeriCorps volunteers at like underserved schools. Right. And so to have like adult influences in, in the classroom with you is like something that's really unique. I mean, I think just you they might not know how to react to you and you might not know how to react to them not knowing how to react to you. Like 
And kids are like the sometimes like the harshest critics, but the they get right to the bone sometimes too. It's really interesting. So I, I bet that I bet that was like obviously a humbling experience, but also a really uniquely challenging one too. I mean, you know, it was it was challenging because it was humbling, you know. Um, but it was yeah, it was it was genuine. It was something about I remember I don't even know what it was. It was just there was a memory that I have, like it was right around the holiday time. I remember being in school and just getting a certain feeling that just said everything is right with the world. Mm-hmm. I remember being in a classroom talking with my kids around that time and getting that feeling again. And it was like, I didn't think I'd ever get that again, yeah. but I've got it because, you know, I feel like I'm helping kids. So, and serving as a board member of City Year now, you know, it's, it's, it's serving in a different way, but you know, there are times when I miss the kids. Yeah. yeah I don't miss the, the conditions and the pay, but I miss the kids. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's that's the ambition part coming into play. <laughs> and that's fair to have. No one's no one's saying you can't have that. No, that's awesome. I, re- I really appreciate you kind of reflecting on that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Tulsa public school system is something you and I both grew up in. And so to know that other schools are getting their needs met through an organization like City Year just like really makes me feel good about um, kind of the decisions that have been made to, to address those inequities. So I really Absolutely. appreciate that. So kind of we've already we've talked about this a little bit, but, um, you know, Black Tech Street is your organization with the mission of rebirthing Black Wall Street as the world's premier black tech innovation economy. Black Tech Street is your organization with the mission of rebirthing Black Wall Street as the world's premier black tech innovation economy. Mm-hmm. How do you see the direction of that? I guess, what, what's your current forecast? Are, are, are we on the way there? Let's talk about some of the this change that we've talked about in, in the past two years. Like, is it is it it's good change, right? It's very good change. <laughs> we're on the we're on the way there. So. Again, like I said, I think I said the last two years is really since 2020, the things have really kicked into high gear. So, but in terms of the actual forecast, we'll actually be able to talk more about more with you about that here in the next month or two. Uh, Black Tech Street um, actually is in the middle of its in 2031 initiative, nice. you know, labeled in 2031 because, you know, creatively, it's where we want to be as an ecosystem in 2031. So, nice. No, very creative. <laughs> um, <laughs> so in this in this initiative, Black Tech Street has done a series of convenings with different um, stakeholders, whether they be philanthropic, government, um, entrepreneurial, um, all the, the different people in the areas of the ecosystem that are around our six pillars. So our six pillars are entrepreneur support, narrative and communications, capital, workforce, infrastructure, and policy. And those six pillars are kind of the guiding forces that that in the day-to-day kind of uh, shade the kind of opportunities that we get for Tulsans, but in the context of N2031, they're serving as the pillars of how we're going to create the strategy of of where we want to get for the next 10 years. And when I say that, I'm not saying we're going to create a strategy and stick to it for 10 years because entrepreneurs don't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, 10 years is a very long time. We're talking about building a framework that will help us get to where we want to be 10 years from now. So the way these convenings have worked are We've convened these entities and we've gotten a list of factors as it relates to each of the six pillars, Mm -hmm. Um, important factors, whatever touches them, like for entrepreneur support, whether it be access to mentorship or for capital, access to capital or workforce, number of black tech, black tech workers coming into the city. All of them. We collected over 212 factors from two meetings. Um, One had 45 people. The other had 81 of these different innovators. 
Our partners at Second Muse, who have over a decade of building um, equitable economies, experience building equitable economies, have an ecosystem diagnostics tool called Digital Delta. And what this tool does is it's built for solving something that's called a wicked socio-technical problem, which I don't know who named that, but, <laughs> but a, a, a wicked socio-technical problem are complex problems whose whose origin is difficult to pinpoint, but whose but who's like effects are really multifaceted. So using Digital Delta, we'll be able to take the different factors that we have found and identify the factors that are catalytic. Mm. A catalytic mm. factor is a factor that very few things affect, but if solved for, stands to have a domino effect for solving problems across the system. Yeah. So we've already got the factors. We're in the process of, of feeding them into this tool. What What's going to result is a map of all of the different important factors in each of these six pillars that would be catalytic for us to hit as an ecosystem. Black Tech Street will then um, take, take point in coordinating the different entities within the ecosystem based off what pillar they operate in to say, what are some things that, that you can do as an organization, either programmatically or just in terms of your of how you're moving to affect the, the catalytic factor that you're most proximate to? Oh, that's so, awesome. So whether you're in the entrepreneur support pillar or the workforce pillar, and the idea is with all of this consistent coordination between the different entities, if we continually hit these different catalytic factors, you know, even in three years, we should see, you know, massive growth, yeah. an explosion of growth in terms of our North Star, which is a black tech ecosystem. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, my gosh. that I'm so glad to know all this work has been happening, too. That's so oh, yeah. awesome. So, so yeah, it's um, it's it's been a long, this, this is one of those processes that's very long. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's coming along very well. Um, I think it's going to provide a sense of direction because, you know, there's a lot of things happening on the black tech scene right now, an entrepreneurial scene. But, mm -hmm. you know, having that collective and shared vision is one is, is very important. So I see BTS really providing that. And that kind of leans me into what BTS is going to be focused on in its second year. You know, our first year has really been about finding our footing. We've known we've had we've had a powerful narrative. Uh, we know we like ecosystem building. So how do we how do we do this in a way that complements the rest of everybody's work as well. So yeah. BTS's three focuses are going to be the vi vision, uh, community, and storytelling. So crafting the vision within 2031 and coordinating it. Um, building a tightly knit community, which we'll have some announcements on that coming out here pretty soon. Yes. And then in the storytelling aspect, using our narrative and platform to elevate, whether it be the different entrepreneurs or things happening um, in a way that really blasts them across the country. and. Those three things will kind of allow us to serve as as, as kind of the breath of, of this rebirth movement while like build serves as kind of like the body and infrastructure. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's so cool. I mean, I, really one thing that like makes me this makes me think about a lot is just like how I love how localized and centralized it is to this geography, because I think the geography is is an un, un um, I'm going to struggle with the word here, but it's inseparable from the mission of the organization mm -hmm. um, because Black Wall Street was here, is here, and now Black Tech Street is here and is going to continue to be here. And I think that something that's kind of come into this national conversation is like where is the location where um, like black economic wealth is like shining the brightest essentially. And I, I think that that question already like kind of poises conver uh, conversation and competition as if it has to yeah. be a competition um, because everything in business is essentially a competition. <laughs> and so people might want to look to, you know, uh, centers of black wealth like in Atlanta and try to compare to Tulsa. And it's really, I just find that 
whole conversation and, and dialogue really interesting because like I don't feel like other um, even like underserved communities have to like argue for where <laughs> no. where the location that we're all going to be successful is. It's only it's only with like African Americans and, and Black Americans that kind of that comes up. Do you feel like that has come up in kind of the work and the placemaking and all that? I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, whether it be Atlanta or or Miami, which is becoming a real t- you know a real tech spot, uh, you know. I think Tulsa is well poised to be a massive center of black wealth. Uh, I think specifically because, you know, there's just a beauty in us, the stage that we're in and the history mm-hmm. that we have. But when it comes to the competition deal, I mean, look, one of the things that I've learned this first year, I mean, it's in, in, in really just moving in this space is, you know, competition is, is kind of for losers. You know, if you, if you can think about, if you can think about how, somebody who would be your competition can help elevate your mission and to the next level. And then you kind of serve as a springboard for them. And it's kind of this leapfrog. Yeah. You you know, everybody's winning and nobody's trying to smother out the other. But I mean, uh, we live in America. Yeah. Leapfrog is still a game. You are also playing a game. game. Right. 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 (laughs) I feel like this whole conversation about competition, like is something that also might've come up at the black tech conference that you went to in Ohio. Uh, maybe a, maybe not as like a, a panel discussion or anything like that, but it's it's probably something that came up. So um, you went to you went to that conference. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah. So Black Tech Week, you know, fun fact, Black Tech Weekend um, was, uh, you know, started by Felicia Hatcher and, you know, it got acquired by Brian and Candace Burkeen. Um, but when Black Tech Weekend came here in 2019, that was actually when I met Brian and Candace. It's when I met Felicia um, and, and, you know, I was working with Mike Bosch when we were, they were helping to put that on. So it's like, again, just shout out to another example of how being in the right place at the right time positioned, positioned me. Yeah. So thanks, Bosch. You're still crazy. <laughs> but you're always just dumbfounded at the level of talent that you're in the room with. You know, I got to meet an entrepreneur um, named Demetrius who doesn't have much of a, a presence in social, like social media and whatnot. But I mean, he just raised $112 million for his company. And it's wow. just like stuff like that is there are gems that are everywhere. Some of them don't like the spotlight. And um, the reason I bring him up is because we had a conversation and he was talking about, well, you know, if you're in a startup game, to some extent, you're going to have to compete. Okay? Mm-hmm. I understand that. But when it comes to the ecosystem building game and even in the startup game, when you do have to compete now, being at the Black Tech, uh, Black Tech Week conference really made me think about if all of these people in the room were thinking about how they could work together and maybe not seeing certain companies as as uh, competition and whatnot in an ecosystem type way, I mean, there's a way for us all to succeed and then the level of competition that's necessary in a capitalist system can still happen, but it won't it won't cause it won't cause genuine damage and i'm gonna tie this into what i learned in um in um israel so when i went to israel i was there um initially with 33 of the top 30 well 32 it was 33 counting me of the top tech innovators across the world like we didn't read each other's bios at first but after (laughs) i I left i learned i was arguing with somebody who was raised got a nine-figure revenue company and it's just like but but anyway that's beside that's beside the, the, the point when I was there, one of the leaders um, who really helped facilitate the growth of the Israeli tech ecosystem said that one of the things that make make it so successful is 
when they're in business, everybody's bitterly competing. But when the day is over, the person who bitterly competed with that person is secretly meeting them for drinks, trying to figure out how they can help them. Yeah. And he said that holding that tension, that attitude of competing where, where there needs to be some competition for the sense of pushing out the best product, but then actually helping one another on the back end and not actually trying to see anybody get snuffed out. He said that was the key to why they grow so quickly and why why the ecosystem has done so well. So I thought about that with Black Tech Week and I thought about that with the Tulsa ecosystem and how we can kind of incorporate holding that tension to breed the you know the best outcomes but also an ecosystem where everybody just wants to help each other that was yeah that sounds that sounds like such a cool experience oh my goodness um and and i love what you said about like not snuffing each other out because that kind of is that's the ecosystem that i'm kind of already seeing uh be successful for one and then two like is kind of popping up here i mean it's it's so right you're so right in the sense that like anyone that that gets that competitive edge or like maybe wins the battle like being able to to then impart that wisdom or, and help other people is like kind of the reciprocity that has to happen to for this to continue to be a fire that's fed and like you said to not get snuffed out i love these metaphors um i that's so cool i'm i'm so glad that that experience and those conversations <laughs> yeah. are happening for you yeah it reminds me of of uh you know so i was a Clearly, I'm a card carrying nerd. So I mean, I was ever <laughs> since I was growing up. So yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. So um, it reminds me really of Goku. You know, Goku is okay. this insane dude, not a great father, but this insane, <laughs> this insane fighter who, who loves to fight, and he wants to win, but he never wants to kill anybody. He wants mm-hmm. his opponent to get better, so they can, so they can both keep getting stronger and keep battling with each other to push themselves to be better. But it's all love. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the Goku mentality is what the person in Israel I spoke with um, was really getting at, you mm-hmm. know, that, you know, we want to fight, we want to win, but winning doesn't look like snuffing you out and it doesn't look like keeping you from succeeding. It looks like us being the best versions of ourselves, us coming together. I may still want to be the quote unquote best, but that doesn't that doesn't mean anything at your expense. Yeah. And I want to you know? beat the best. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So. No, I think that I think that's that's, that's a great right that's a great metaphor. Honestly, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that I think that we do have a lot to learn from anime. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> um, I I love that. I th- I think that these com- this conversation is is ongoing and really one of the things that always comes to mind when I think about like talking about getting involved in the ecosystem or ways to support each other is like, what are those things that people can do? So kind of as you've as you've talked about this work and all of the all of the labor that's already gone into it, what are some of the things that people can do to get involved um, in in supporting this mission? Hmm. Well, so clearly you can directly plug in with Black Tech Street. We're um I haven't really publicized this, but Black Tech Street is actually more or less getting ready for a relaunch. You know that's kind of happening. We've got a lot of revamping. Our websites being redone. Our our deals that we've been working on for a while are finally coming through fruition. So like that's that's kind of where we're at right now. That's so, awesome, and congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so whenever we when we relaunch, we'll be able to. There'll be some very specific ways for people to tap in. But generally, when you think about BTS, think about it as a broader movement. You know, a way to help the Black Tech Street mission is to plug in with Act House, plug in with Bill, plug in with your local entrepreneurs, you know, plug in with um, plug in with people in a way that, you know, you say, what are some resources I can offer you that might help you be successful? And, you know, everybody doesn't have money to give. So clearly 
you know, it doesn't have to be that. But if you do have money to give, you know, <laughs> don't give mentorship in lieu of cash. Yeah. You know, um, so if you want to help businesses, you want to provide access to the right resources. I think that I think that's a way to plug in, but also buy into the mission. You know, yes. so when people say talk about rebirth in Black Wall Street, you know, don't just don't say it's just something that might get to us a little bit of attention. You know, actually say this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to be a part of something massive. Yeah. You know, approach it with that attitude. Yeah. And I think that 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 leads me to say something that I feel like should shouldn't even need to be said. But mm-hmm. you don't have to be black for to support this mission. No, not at all. Like, not yeah, at all. I, 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 I don't know. It, it just feels like. It just feels like something that might need to be said, even though I feel like it doesn't need to be said. <laughs> but it's just it's so interesting to feel like uh, or to even communicate that that sentiment, I guess, because like, I don't know, the past two years have been really crazy for a lot of people. And I feel like a lot of um, like race relations and kind of what I guess just really how we understand um, black people in America and then and how everyone fits into what America is. It, it feels like it, it's it's really just defined a lot of things for for me and kind of where I need to be on the right to be on the right side of things and um, and I won't always be there so <laughs> I'm gonna continue to fight the fight and I I don't feel like I hope that everyone is inspired by this mission of collaboration and being just being good people to each other it doesn't have to be um, I do stuff for my community and you do stuff for yours and then we hopefully we all succeed in the end now we can we can build together. I mean, that's kind of been a really good underlying thought of this whole conversation is that building each other up ultimately can benefit everyone, which Absolutely. is awesome. Benefits everyone, see each other's point of view. Um, you know, don't reelect fascists who tried to take over the country. Yep. Uh, you know, things we can do like that. Yeah, things we can. <laughs> that's, how we, that's how we help each other survive. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, Tyrants, thank you so much for this conversation. I've been, I've had a great time and um I think I think we've I've been enlightened to a lot of things that your organization is doing. I think that everyone else is going to get just as excited as I am. <laughs> no, man, I'm I'm really excited to be here with you, man. Uh, I appreciate the work you do, man. I've seen you move, whether you're from city year to Atento to Intel. So like you've been climbing the ladder. Yeah. I'm glad you're here and we're finally talking. Yeah, this is awesome. And the conversation doesn't end here. We got we got grow with us forever, man. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'll be back. The next week and the week after that. Oh, yeah. However long. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Tyrants, for being on this episode of Grow With Us. Absolutely. Thank you. And for all of our listeners of Grow With Us, please join our talent network to stay in touch with our featured jobs and opportunities at Intulsa by visiting talent.intulsa.com. That's talent.intulsa.com. By joining our talent network, you will get access to our newsletter where you can stay up to date with our latest career advice, featured opportunities with Intulsa partner companies, and our placement success stories. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to be notified when more episodes of Grow With Us are released. Let us know what you think about how we're doing by rating and reviewing. Huge thank you to our editors at Rant9 Production and Jesse Ulrich. This has been Grow With Us. Grow With Us.